0: So summer is now drawing to a close. Our children either have already gone back to school or they will go back to school uh, this, this week. Um, the bagpipes are a great tradition at Woodmont. Um, and, and then today, this afternoon, we're gonna kick off our youth programming at, at four o'clock. We moved that up a little bit this year so they could get home with their, with their families afterwards. Next Sunday, we'll have a ministry fair. And there'll be about 40 different booths and groups set up so you can learn more about what we do at this church and you can get connected uh, through, the, through the ministry fair. But it's important to me as we begin uh, this new programming year that we stop and think about what we're trying to accomplish at this church. What's our mission? What, what, are, we, what are we doing here? And, and many of you know that our mission is growing disciples of Christ by seeking God, sharing love and serving others. So what does that mean? It means we seek God through faithful worship and prayer and Bible study. We share love through small groups and classes, but before we can share love, something has to happen. We have to deal with our own stuff, whatever it is. We all have things in life that hold us back, things that we're beholden to, things that that maybe we drive ourselves crazy with, but we gotta deal with that if we're gonna grow and if we're gonna share love. And then the last part of our mission is we serve others. And to serve others, you gotta discover your gifts, find out what you're good at doing, and then go and make a difference in this community. That's what we do at Woodmont. We see God, we share love, and we serve others. We always wanna lift that up because it's really, really important. That is our discipleship path that we wanna communicate very clearly. Other than Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul is perhaps the greatest figure in the history of Christianity. His letters are the earliest documents that we have, even earlier than the gospels. And today I'm starting a brand new series on Romans under the, the title, Unashamed of the Gospel from the verses that Farrell just read a few minutes ago. Romans is probably Paul's most famous letter and he, he wrote a bunch of them. It's full of theology and insight. Anybody who is a serious Christian needs to study and wrestle with this epistle. So I'm challenging you to read Romans on your own because we won't hit everything on Sunday mornings. But let me give you just a quick snapshot of background of Romans. It's the only letter that Paul wrote to a church that he had not yet visited. He wanted to get there, but he hadn't been to Rome yet. He's writing from Corinth around 57 AD, telling them that he plans to come and make a visit. Paul wants to expand his missionary field to Spain and he wanted Rome to be a part of that. He wanted Rome to become a base for that expansion. Because he's never been to Rome, he begins the letter with an introduction uh, to his ministry and teaching. And then the theme of Romans is found in verses 16 and 17, chapter 1, when Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. Paul was somewhat of a controversial figure because of his inclusion of the Gentiles. He had a passion for spreading the gospel message to both Jews and Gentiles alike. He was criticized for doing that and he spends a part of this letter talking about that. Now, one of the main themes of Romans is this word righteousness. And by righteousness, Paul is talking about establishing a right relationship with God a right relationship with God. If a person is righteous, it means that they have a right relationship with God and that's demonstrated in the way that they live their life, the way that they speak to and treat other people. So for Paul, the Christian life is not about what we can do for God, but what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. The gift of Christ is the gift of grace and we don't earn it and we don't deserve it but we accept it through faith. And so in writing to the Roman church, Paul is basically presenting his theology, the concept of justification by grace through faith. So as we study Romans, here's a few words you need to pay attention to. Righteousness, a right relationship with God. Justification by grace through faith. We focus on what God has done for us in Christ. Reconciliation through Christ. God is reconciling all of humanity, Jews and Gentiles alike. Redemption, even though we're held hostage to sin, God defeats it through the cross and the resurrection and then sends his spirit to guide us as we seek to live faithful lives, as Pharaoh talked about a few weeks ago. And the last word is sin, that which separates us from God, it's our brokenness. Paul says this in chapter seven, I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. In other words, as human beings, we do things that we know are wrong. And yet for some reason, we can't stop doing them. This is the predicament of the human condition. This is why we are in need of the grace of God. Now, let me tell you this story to try to illustrate this, because I'm not going to talk about sin the whole, the whole sermon, but it's an important concept for, for Romans, right? Went to pick up my daughter at camp on Friday. Wade decided he wanted to go with me. That's a seven-year-old. We drove to Asheville, Uh, very exciting. Got to Asheville, Wade, what do you want to do for dinner? I want pizza. We went to Blaze Pizza. Then what do you want to do after dinner? I want ice cream. We went to some place that made homemade waffle cones, really good, need to stop that. Then we check into the Hampton Inn, Tunnel Road, Asheville, would not recommend it, but anyway, we were there. (laughs) Indoor pool and hot tub. For a seven-year-old, that's pretty awesome, right? And for a 43-year-old, not bad. So we go for a swim and then we come back up and we're trying to watch TV and, you know, it's late. There's nothing on TV or nothing appropriate on TV at 10 o'clock. And so we go to bed. Well, we love the pool. The problem was our room was right above the outdoor pool and the motor and fan of the pool just went on and off all night, turned off, turned back off. I couldn't go to sleep. So finally, finally, I called the front desk and I'm like, I cannot sleep. There's this motor outside. Oh, yeah, that's the pool. I know. Um, Can you please move us to a different room? Yes, no problem. Go down the hall, other side of the hallway. Two queen beds this time. Wade had to wake up. He was no problem sleeping. Lay down, peaceful and quiet, right? Sounds good. All of a sudden, through the wall, the guy next door has a CPAC machine. (laughs) Sounds like Darth Vader, right? (laughs) And I'm just sitting there and I got, I literally got like two and a half hours of sleep, okay, before picking Montgomery up. All right. This to me is how you can think about sin. It's always there. It, it kind of ruins the perfection. It's what, if we wish life would be this way, well, no, we got the fan, we got the, that's what's going on. And Paul addresses this concept of sin. And that's the best way I know to illustrate it to you. I call it brokenness, brokenness. It's what separates us from God. Now, can you think of a time in your life when you received some bad news? You weren't accepted to the college you wanted to go to. A girlfriend or a boyfriend broke up with you out of the blue. And you said, you know, it's not, it's not you, it's me, you know, it not working. The doctor came in and said those words, I'm sorry, but you have cancer. Maybe a child did something bad and you heard about it from another parent. You were embarrassed or ashamed. Maybe you went in for an ultrasound and and the doctor said, I'm sorry, but we can't seem to find a heartbeat. A lot of people have been there. Maybe the bad news had to do with work. Somebody said, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. Um, Just not working out here. We've all experienced bad news in our lives, right? We know what that feels like. Now I want you to think of a time or times in your life when you've had good news. Yes, I will marry you. It looks like your cancer is in remission. We don't see the tumor. You have overpaid your taxes by $5,500. That (laughs) never happens, right? It's a boy or it's a beautiful girl. We'd like to give you a promotion and a raise for your hard work. We're so glad to have you at the company. Mom and dad, thank you for everything that you've done for me. I'm going to miss you dearly at college. Mom and dad, you're going to be grandparents in about eight months. The truth of the matter is, life is full of both good news and bad news. We even experience days where we get both. We know this. We have times where the bad news just keeps coming. But the very best news that we can hear in life is the news that we heard this morning in Romans 1. That God is with us and for us in the person of Jesus Christ. That Christ died on a cross to reconcile us to God. That was a gift, an act of grace, and we accept it through faith. And this is the news that ultimately changed Paul's life. He went from being Saul of Tarsus, persecuting the Christians, to the greatest advocate for the gospel in the history of the world. Which shows you the possibilities that are there if you open your heart to being changed. You can be changed. You can be transformed. So so to study Romans, we have to understand this, and we also have to wrestle with the very complicated nature of being human. And again, in chapter 7, he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. How would you respond to this question? Are human beings innately good or bad, meaning are some people good and other people bad? Are some people bad and other people good? But what makes us the way that we are? How do you explain the human condition? The first point that I want to make to you this morning is that we are all capable of both. All of us have both a good and bad in our hearts. It's not just one or the other. And so if you've been a Woodmont a while, you've heard me tell the, the Cherokee legend about the, the grandfather and the grandson and the grandson got really angry at somebody and, and, and he was so mad and worked up and the grandfather said, grandson, a, a fight goes on inside all of us. It's a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil, the wolf that's full of anger and envy and sorrow and regret and greed and arrogance and jealousy and resentment and inferiority and lies and pride and ego. The other wolf is good full of joy and peace and love and serenity and humility and kindness and empathy and generosity and compassion and faith. So grandson, the same fight going on inside of you, it goes on inside of me, it goes on inside of all of us. And the grandson sat there and he looked at his grandfather and said, well, granddad, which wolf wins the fight? And he said, the wolf that you feed is the one that wins. This is the human condition. The wolf that we decide to feed always wins. And the more we feed that second wolf, the better off we will be, the happier we will be, the more joy we will experience. You see, I believe that as human beings, there are certain things that are universal for all of us. Like we all want to be loved and and heard and appreciated and respected. We all want to search for meaning and purpose in our lives. We want our lives to matter, which is why we want people here to serve and make a difference and do something that will impact this community. The third thing is we all seek to form meaningful relationships with other people because we are social creatures and we're not meant to live alone. Loneliness is unhealthy. So if you want to be in a dinner group for eight, they're starting today, sign up for it. Get to know some other people. We all seek happiness and joy And and all of us, no matter who we are, we have to deal with pain and disappointment and heartache. It's a part of being human. Some people go through more pain than others, but as human beings, this is unavoidable. It's a given. Nobody gets a pass on this. And so we have to live through it and, and, and work through it and deal with it. So my second point is that because we are sinful and broken, because life is hard, because we face things that we didn't see coming, we need the grace and good news of the gospel. That through Jesus, God shows us grace and love and forgiveness. That through the cross, God shows us that we don't suffer alone. You know, the pain of of life is real, fear is real, grief is real. Sometimes things happen in life that shake us to our core, that leave us feeling like we can't go on. And for some reason, there are certain people in life who seem to have way more than their fair share of pain. And as humans, you know, we, we, we ask that question that never goes away, why? Why is this happening? Why am I dealing with this? Why did they do that to me? Why did that person betray me? Why did they say that? Why? Why is my child sick? Why did a school shooting take place? Why? Philip Yancey calls it the question that never goes away. And of course, we all deal with the pain in our own way. Some of us will drink too much. Some of us will start taking some pills. Uh, The opioid epidemic is real in this country. Uh, Some people become sarcastic. Some people lose their sense of humor. Some people start shopping all the time. I love to buy golf shirts. Makes me feel better, right? Some people become workaholics. Some people live in a constant state of denial. But each of these things is only a temporary means of escape. We have to deal with our pain. We have to. In the Bible, specifically in in, in Romans, we, we find some incredible scriptures that will help us get through the hard times of life. Paul reminds us that that we always have hope. We we boast in our suffering because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. A few chapters later in Romans eight, Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we can feel that in the church community. To the Corinthians, he says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. See, when it comes to dealing with pain and heartache in life, the apostle Paul gives us some of the most encouraging words that will help us to keep pressing forward, no matter what it is we're dealing with or going through. My final point as we begin this series today is that as Christians, we are called to be people who are committed to spreading the good news. You know, our world needs this good news. There's too much pain, there's too much brokenness, there's too much division, too much polarization, too much fear, and too much hurt. Are there people in your life that that every time you're around them, you expect to hear bad news? You know, you see them coming, you're like, oh God, here we go. Um, What's it gonna be today? You know, What's wrong? Nothing's ever right. Something's always a matter. They've been offended. They've been excluded. They will suck the energy right out of you. Um, Jay and I were at a conference and John Maxwell was one of the speakers and I love Maxwell and he said, you know, he said, we're called to be fountains in life but too many people are drains, sucking the life right out of you. Be a fountain. Be full of hope and positivity and joy in the gospel. Don't be a drain. The world doesn't need any more drains. I like that quote. That's not what Christians are called to be. We're called to be people of the good news. We're called to spread the good news, which means we have to be positive. We have to be encouraging. We have to be resilient when life beats us up. We, we can't get cynical all the time. We have to try to, to see the good. I, I do believe that all of us are here for a purpose, to love and to be loved. That's what Jesus said, right? Love God, love your neighbor. But God has given each and every one of us the ability to be resilient, the ability to bounce back when terrible things happen. And and, and that's part of what it means to believe and to live in the spirit of the resurrection. New beginnings are always available today and every day. That's what grace is all about, right? That's what forgiveness is all about. God gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And then he says, now go and do that for other people. The power of the gospel message is the good news of Jesus That pain and hardship and struggle and even death itself do not have the final word. God does. And and this is also the message that we find in Romans. And we'll see it again and again and again. David Moore uh, was um, one of my predecessors. He served here in the 1980s. And um, Dana, his wife, was a really big part of his ministry. And Dana got sick with cancer and, uh, and she passed away. Some of you remember that. Um, And so David ultimately kind of closed down his ministry and he went and did some graduate work at Oxford. But he wrote a little book called The Liberating Power of Pain. And I love what he says in the book. He says the Christian faith is founded on the suffering of a single person, Jesus of Nazareth. His constant pain brought on by rejection and misunderstanding and loneliness and finally the crucifixion and resurrection vividly demonstrates the love of God. He says the model that we have in Jesus is that while God does not cause or desire our suffering that very suffering can be the means by which we are caught up in an even deeper relationship with God and with each other it'd be nice to live a life where we didn't suffer it'd be nice to not have to go through some of the things that we go through but we do and we come out stronger and we come out closer and so Paul says, we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. The gospel message is one that reminds us that no matter what happens, no matter what we go through, there's always hope. And if we can live in hope, then we can make it through anything in life that comes our way. Amen. Amen.